What's up, gamers? Welcome to Battle Mallet Podcast, episode 50 of all things Hex Ed Keep Gur Weird. For anyone that isn't familiar, the Battle Mallet Podcast is the journey of, let's just call it, three busy gamers at this point, uh, playing games that they love, balancing life with those games, and occasionally talking about Nova, although we haven't done that in a while. Anyway, uh, today's episode, tonight's episode, whenever you're listening to this, is going to be our coverage of the Weird Hollow, uh, which is going to include our normal review of the Warbands and the Rivals decks that are included in the box. But before we get any further, I'm Jared Johnson, and tonight I am joined by Trace Hyde. I like things weird. And Jason Table New Murray. I thought it was called Tainted Thicket. Ah, we want it to be called Tainted Thicket, but we don't get to choose the name, unfortunately. Just uh, remember, the the first box in a season or like a setting is very phallic and the other is not. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we can mm. we could do a whole episode on that or we could <laughs> not. Uh, I think we want to keep our MPAA rating uh, as it stands. So uh, we will not be doing that anyway. So. Yeah, we have a lot to cover. Um, we're excited to talk about it. I think we're all excited about the new season uh, and the new Warbands and decks. But before we really jump into the meat, we do want to get caught up on what everybody has been up to because it's been a minute since our last episode. Uh, so, Trace, what you been up to since the last time we recorded? Do you even oh, remember gosh. when we recorded last? Because I'm not sure I do. Well, it's been a minute. So I'm just going to cover some things that I know that I've done within the past month or two. So uh, I painted up Thundrix Profiteers. I've been playing with those a lot recently. They're a lot of fun in the Nemesis format. been playing them with some Fearsome Fortress. Um, painted them in a nice bold yellow. Um, I also painted up um, the Slanesh Warband. Which the name is the Dread Pageant. Oh my gosh, my brain. Um, I painted them up in a lovely retro style um, with a nice goblin green base and some really bold and garish colors. Everybody seemed to have enjoyed them. So that was were fun. Um, I've painted some Marvel Crisis Protocol models and been playing a lot of. A lot of underworlds. Um, I also have been playing in the um, Fury's Finest TTS Marvel Crisis Protocol League. That was a lot of fun. Ended up with a record of two and three in that. Nice. Um, that ended this past week. And then, so a lot of underworlds on our community nights we've been playing. I was not in, able to go to the tournament that we will talk about in a minute. Um, that we were hosting uh, and I have started painting a combat patrol of space dwarves for the impending the impending Warhammer 40k release to see if we would like to pursue some 40k again I know gasp gasp Warhammer 40,000 yeah I don't believe it. Yep, yep, yep. I do believe it. Yep. Jason, what you been up to, bud? A lot. And there's been a lot of activity here on my side. Um, 
south of the wall here in, you know, King's Landing. But uh, so played in the tournament, played Dread Pageant. Uh, so that was super fun. Um, I'm sorry to say that Jared has completely climbed out of my pocket. He's a jerk and I don't like him. He stomped me round two. Um, Dread Pageant with Fearsome Forcers is a whole lot of fun. Um, I won my first game uh, on the back of Glissette herself. Uh, she tanked five attacks in a row. And one of those attacks was like fully supported. And uh, I just critted out of it. It was fantastic. Um, uh, you know, Ripa was trying to bite me. And at one point in that game, the, the game was over and Glissette saving it allowed me to score five glory in an end phase and get back into the game and win that game. And then I walked into Jared and his sons of Velmorn and was demolished. Uh, and then I played into crushes the last game and uh, won that one as well. Uh, so that was a ton of fun. And I do think that, you know, you mentioned playing Thundrix in an episode soon to come. I think we'll kind of break down those three, three war bands, sons of Elmorn, dread pageant and Thundrick and kind of give a current state of play with their, their nemesis decks. Um, Cause they are again, a lot of fun, maybe not top tier, but a lot of fun. Uh, other than that, I took loon court out for a spin and if you've been sleeping on Loon Court, don't sleep on them. Like, they are super fun. Um, and when I say super fun for, for, for Jason, I think what the listeners need to understand is it makes my brain hurt. So it is very important that you pick the quests when they go on and what you're doing and you hedge your bets to do those quests. Um, but, man, it was a great puzzle, and they play very, very well. Um, to and the they, get, where- they allow you to cheat, too. They like yeah. to cheat. Too. Yeah. You get all the objectives in your hand. I mean, Justin, uh, one of our local players, uh, found a rule like, hey, yeah, I, I always knew that you could draw up if quests were out. But I didn't realize you could draw up if you just scored a normal surge. And yep. sure, sure could. He got like five or six objectives in his hand. It's awesome. Um, and I, you know, like I say, don't sleep on him because I played the winner of our tournament, which I'll let Jared get into that. But I played that person with the same winning deck and the same winning warband into Lunecourt, and I it was it was an awesome matchup, and I was able to take the game. So they can play, although they haven't been being played, and I look forward to getting them on the table more. Um, I am totally immersed in the uh, the Lion novel. Um, I think it's oh like gosh, the walk it's so out of good. Forest. I cannot it's, wait for you to finish it. it. It is so good, and no spoilers, but we're we're kind of like to a battle and I think I got probably an hour and a half, two hours left to go on the audiobook, And it is just, it's so good that I'll probably actually listen to it again, which I never do. Um, I think that the writer did such a great job at bringing the line back to life and kind of bringing him to life as he still is a Primarch but there is internal struggle with him. It kind of, I don't want to say wraps all the storyline up, but it just is a different approach that I never would have speculated that they would have taken. Um, So it is an awesome book. Super enjoying it. Can't wait um, to get my model back from Danny. So Danny is currently painting my lion. Um, 
And speaking of Danny, there are something like nine days left in the Spring Nova Charitable Foundation. Uh, and Danny does have a model up for auction on that. So by the time this is published, there's probably like five or four or five days left. So get on over there and throw some dollar dollars at, at Danny's uh, wonderful painted chaplain. Um, and then I assembled Mortal Hulk for MCP. And I went out and I bought a bunch of 40K stuff because when I get the bug, I get the bug. So I have that new Dreadnought. Um, I assembled a limited edition Blade Guard um, uh, Lieutenant. And I kind of made him made Dark Angel-esque because that is my plan. I will try the new 40K. And if the new 40K is fantastic, then I will pivot and start collecting Dark Angels again, because I still have my full Ravenwing, and Dark Angels are my favorite. And now that the line is here, I should be risen as well. And that was a whole lot. Um, and I think right now, I mean, now I'm putting, now I'm putting the new box together, and I already have this Heffalump figure ready to go. <laughs> the Heffalump. He's fantastic and what a super cool model. But yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to a couple Mondays from tonight um, to get all this stuff on. Oh, Beastbound Assault. That finally arrived. Woohoo! Arrived uh, today. So yeah, arrived today in the States. And my one that I ordered from overseas arrived today as well. So we are all set, ready to go. Can't wait to get the pirate on the table. Let's go. Jared, do you have as much hobby progress? I have a decent He's amount got of a uh, hobby, yeah. hobby progress since the last time I recorded. So I just looked it up. It has been, uh, so we are recording. It is May 6th. Our last episode dropped March 6th. So it has been two months since we dropped an episode. So sorry for that. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Sleek's Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, hobby progress wise, I have painted Psylocke and Emma Frost. Um, you, paint, you painted Emma? What? What? Not your daughter, Emma, oh, Emma Frost, oh, okay. um, for uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol. And I also painted Logan the Wolverine and Apex Predator Sabretooth for Marvel Crisis Protocol. Um, I did a huge purge. Um, I got rid of a ton of backlog old models, um, stuff on sprues, stuff not on sprues, stuff primed, stuff painted. Um, and then uh, from the funds from that, I purchased the Eldari combat patrol and i have since painted the guardian defenders and the weapon platform from that um and then i have a, a pretty hard hobby goal to finish may out um to finish building and painting that um uh, that combat patrol up also in preparation of 10th edition uh, of warhammer 40k i at least enjoy painting unlike jason so if nothing else i will have some well-painted or reasonably well-painted eldari models to sit in my cabinet next to my Yvrain and uh, Yinkarn and Visark, um, if if nothing else, um, and then yeah, so um, have missed some 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 meetups lately because uh, life changes. Uh, my son is swimming a lot more now, and that puts a little hiccup on my ability to get out of the house in the evenings. But I was able to make it out to the tournament. Uh, I took Sons of Elmorn with Fearsome Fortress. Uh, and had a lot of fun and some reasonable success, but not as much success as I would have liked. Uh, so my first game was against Exile Dead, and those uh, just went resoundingly in my favor. Um, 
was able to just keep away from the zombies and target uh, take targets of opportunity when I could, and then had a super sweet uh, two activations with uh, um, the the fourth and last, third and last, fourth and last Thane, I believe is his name, uh, with his scything attack. In one activation, I killed two zombies, and then in the next activation, I killed three zombies. So five fighters dead in two activations. Uh, it's hard to come back from that. Um, yeah, it's a pretty big glory swing. <laughs> yep. Uh, so that was round one, and then you you all heard about round two, and then round three, three round tournament. Uh, I went up against uh, our our buddy Jake's Steelhearts champions with Fearsome Fortress as well. And um, I will tell you that the Sons of Elmorn are not big fans of fighters that can hit for three damage and have cleave. So uh, I took the first game eleven to six. Um, I the second game, Jake blew me out uh, five to eighteen, um, and then the final game ended on a failed attack on my part uh, to kill Obrin, um, which cost me the game. Uh, and the final game ended at seven eight. So, uh, and it would have swung. He w- Obrin was large at that point, and I had um, siege breakers, so it would have been a four glory swing if that one attack had gone through um, to push it to uh 11 8 but that didn't happen so uh jake took the day with his steel hearts champions with fearsome fortress but as you heard from jason uh that is obviously not an invincible deck because grin cracks loon cork cracked that nut uh so uh all of that to say i think that the game is actually in a pretty good state i think it's in a lot better state than maybe i would have said prior to that tournament and then prior to hearing about the meetup uh, last week. So I think that covers everything that I've been up to. Yeah. I'll just echo the, the game being in a fun state. Like there's definitely some more bands that, that shine. Right. And we are very fortunate in our play group that everyone kind of diversifies and, and plays just what's interesting. Um, but I also think that there's like, raw stats there are probably like four or five warbands that just stand out above but that doesn't mean that the other warbands can't keep up right and that's why i yeah. really wanted to play dread pageant and like just do something that's kind of mid-tier and um and i played them a lot this last month and a half into a lot of matchups and some days it went well and some days it didn't but overall it was fun every time Sweet. So uh, we do want to talk about the new Warbands, but I think before we get into that, it's probably worth mentioning that there were a lot of updates to the Gnarlwood or to the Underworld's rule set uh, in the Weird Hollow rulebook. And we're not going to cover all of those. Uh, the our, our friends over at the What the Hex cast um, did a really good job of covering that, um, but I was wondering if anybody had anything... Uh, about the Weird Hollow release, the rule set, the warbands uh, outside of our review that kind of stood out, um, any of the changes that really jumped out. Yeah, for me, I think the biggest, I want to say change, which is one of the coolest things that we're going, we'll talk about it when we get into the warbands, but the fact that we have non-wizard casters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the demons all have a spell attack action 
that is a spell and they can cast it, but they are not wizards. They don't have the wizard keyword, which is really interesting when you read the rules and we've never had this because when they roll two crits on that casting roll, they don't take backlash because they're not wizards. And I, it's just really, it's different and cool. And I'm very happy because, because you imagine eyes of the nine way back in the day, actually getting spell attack actions, but not being wizards. That would have been awesome for that war band. And I'm glad we're seeing it now. Yeah. Like if Narvi and two rush had had spell, spell attack attacks actions, instead of not been wizards. regular. Cause, yeah. uh, Trace in Age of Sigmar, right? The Arcanites, the Zinch Arcanites, that's what Nar- yeah, Narvi they and cast spells. are. And they can yep. cast spells, right? They count as wizards. Yep. In, in that. Kyrak Acolytes and have spells on their, on, their, on their war scroll. So yes, yeah, you're 100% yeah, yeah. correct. So that's it's just, cool. It's a nice balance, I think, because you don't have to worry about this one warband with what would be five casters becoming so powerful when it comes to wizards. Or right. casting, like, no. like Now they can still have a spell attack action that counts as a spell, but they're not casting any of the Gambit stuff, or they're not getting no. any wizard upgrades. So, again, not a full rule change, because it's kind of been there the whole time, but it's never been on a on a card, so I like that. Yeah, and I like the theme of it, too, right? Like, these are Zinch, like, full-on Zinch demons, not... Yeah, they're, like, coalesced. Yeah, so, like... Of course, they're more in tune with the winds of magic and are less likely to damage themselves from casting spells. Um, I think for me, and I mean, this has been teased. I mean, it wasn't teased. It was like laid out on the Warhammer community is um, I I am so far on paper, a big fan of the salvage mechanic um, because I think it opens up the opportunity to include in a nemesis play style or rivals play style. Um, you know, fighter specific cards or role specific cards that aren't just going to brick your deck when that fighter dies. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, I mean, for me, I mean, I'm curious to see how it's going to play out, but I'm I'm pretty pretty excited on paper and pretty uh, positive in my attitude about it on paper, at least. Yeah, I agree. Um, just not having to worry as much about having those in your hand. Um, is a big boon. Um, and then uh, one thing that I really love about this particular box is that we've come, we've circled back, and now we have all these different spells for these other warbands that we've had to now make them a little more relevant and bring them back hmm. in. So any warband that has a wizard in it, like you can now look at these and be like, oh. You know, this, you know, the Seismic Shock deck in particular, like you can look at that and be like, this is really cool. I can lean into this play style different. So like, yeah. that's one of my favorite things about the box too, is just coming back to magic a little bit, which yeah. we've not seen in a while. Yeah, yeah. And then, so there's actually one more thing and I'm surprised that Jason didn't call it out. So the, uh, Jason, have you looked at the glory tokens? Closely? From the no. weird hollow box, I have not. No, so the so you know how like in uh, we're in uh, so if we go back to Shadespire and Night Vault, like the kind of color palette around the glory tokens was that like kind of grayish blue, grayish greenish bluish, right? And then we moved into Beast Grave and Dire Chasm, and it was very brown, very earthy, 
and then we were in Nether Maze and and uh, Harrow Deep, I'm and it was very blue. Right now. <laughs> so I'm I'm waiting. I'm watching him on live. Yeah. So tell me, tell me, Jason. So around the glory tokens, what you got? Maybe I'm colorblind. Uh, the, like a, they're almost like a snare hex behind. Yeah, but what color is it? It's purple. It's purple. Jason's it favorite. Cool. It is my yeah, favorite. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I was not going to punch the glory tokens out because, of course, I have like a billion already punched out, but I'm like, ah, oh, they're purple. Like, that's so cool. That is really cool. I never, one, I never noticed that. And two, speaking of tokens, the new OP kit looks to have acrylic glory tokens in it. So maybe those nice. would be purple. Oh, maybe. That would be sweet. Cool. Um, anything else? Because everybody looks at their boards and tokens. <laughs> makes good makes good radio. It makes good radio. Yeah, well, I'll just go silent and read the rule book. And no, and like I think book. you know, just to to give you one more point on that salvage too. I think it is big. Um, I don't know how it'll work out in championship, but for Nemesis, I've already started building decks with eleven and eleven because oh yeah, if I have a, a spell. Or an upgrade? What is it? it it's not going to hurt you. Hand. Like yeah. if I ah. lost my wizard, so yeah, that reminds me of playing in Shadespire when there were like three different card draw gambits available. So you were like, "Sure, I'll run twelve and 12. Nice, good shout. Cool. Well, uh, I think that wraps up what we've been up to and our briefest of overviews of the new changes coming from Weird Hollow. Um, so we'll take a break here, and when we come back, we will talk about Domitan's Domitan, Darmatarn, Domitan's Storm Coven, and Ephilim's Pandemonium. And we're back, and we are going to dive into the Weird Hollow, uh, and... Um, we're going to go through the two new warbands, give our, our regular review. So for anyone that hasn't listened to any of our reviews, um, we kind of start from a rival's stance. And what we're, we're, we're looking for is we'll give a brief overview of the fighters, but at this point, everybody should have the fighter cards in their hands. Um, uh, the images are in our blog at blog.battle-mallet.com. And those images are courtesy of Warhammer Community. So you can go to the Warhammer Community site, see the same images on the blog articles that kind of preview the the warbands themselves but what we're going to focus in on are key cards that you want to see early in the game so your first three objectives your first three gambits your first three upgrades uh, what do you want to see early what's going to what do we think is going to be the most helpful uh, as you're playing this warband early we'll cover play style we'll cover maybe what boards you want to choose we'll cover uh, what you want to be looking at if you're sitting across the table from this warband uh, and then we'll give it our rating uh, and now that nemesis is a thing we give a rivals rating so what does it look like to just play this warband with these cards and then what does it look like to play it in a nemesis format what decks do you think would pair well with it um, so now that we have covered all of the logistics we'll jump into Dumatan storm coven um, so Dumatan storm coven uh, another three fighters stormcast eternal wizard warband so it's the storm sires curse breakers all over again um they have some interesting mechanics here uh in that you're only ever going to inspire one fighter at a time 
So they have a, a, a harness the ether mechanic. So after uh, another fighter's activation, inspire this fighter and then uninspire all other fighters. Um, what is cool about the fighters is they're they're actually all pretty formidable uh, without inspiring, uh, but they get even better when they do inspire. So you have Domitan, Eye of the Storm. He is, I think, the de de, de Juro leader of the warband. I think lore-wise, he is the leader. Um, yeah. But another His interesting on the thing box. about this warband is uh, that whenever they inspire, that fighter is the leader. They have the leader symbol, and therefore, like any leader keyword cards, would trigger off of that fighter, the inspired fighter. Um, so when you first start the game, none of your fighters are inspired. You do not have a leader. Uh, just interesting, worthy of note. Um, Domitan gets cleave on both of his attacks when he inspires. And he has a super accurate cast, uh, which is pretty nice. And then he's got an ether shock reaction. Uh, so when he is inspired, after he inspires, you can stagger each enemy within two hexes of this fighter. So that's going to be great for setting up, uh, you know, further attacks. Or, you know, if you're in a situation where somebody might want to delve, you can stagger them and prevent them from delving. You can remove guard tokens, all of the fun things that stagger can do. Um, so next on the list is Sarpon the Cyclone. Um, so just the next fighter down on the list, uh, more accurate melee attack. Uh, so three smash, um, that goes to three damage, uh, when Sarpon is inspired, if the target is adjacent, um, and Sarpon has the ether force reaction. So when Sarpon inspires, uh, you can choose one friendly fighter and push the chosen fighter one hex. So, um, extra pushes there. Um, and then last, but certainly not least is Liana Stratosi, who is, uh, move four. The other fighters are move three. Um, and when she inspires, um, she gives plus one move to all of the friendly fighters and all other friendly fighters gain the flying trait. She starts with the flying trait. Um, so that's kind of a, a basic rundown. Uh, I will say that all of the fighters in this war band are level one wizards when they're uninspired, they inspire to be level two wizards. They all have a range two attack that is uh, on smashes, so like a physical attack, I guess you would call it, and then they all have a cast, like a ranged spell attack action as well. Um, so, yeah, we don't want to just straight read the fighter cards because you have them, but uh, any anything either of you feel like I missed? No, I don't think so. Like Rambles, no, I good? think you covered it, but I, I mean, we can get into more depth when it comes to like how do they play, right? So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we should. Cause I think there is a lot there, um, a lot to unpack. Um, so that covers the fighters generally. So the next thing we want to do is pick out those top three objectives that you want to see, uh, when you are playing this war band. So I'm going to kick things to who looks the most nervous on the camera trace. <sighs> <laughs> hey, this war band likes to inspire and can do it really easy. So I am picking Channel the Storm. Score this immediately after the second or subsequent friendly fighter became inspired in the same round. So all you have to do is react with two separate fighters yep. uh, and, and inspire both of them, and you can score this card. Or yep. I think there's also a ploy that allows you to switch there one. A ploy. So, yep. yeah, which I think we will talk about in a minute. Well, I think we will. Gosh, a little foreshadowing there. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And so this is a surge. So, you know, it's going to score. And then, uh, you know, one thing about having a three fighter warband is that the chances of having two fighters alive 
gets lower and lower as you go further and further into the game. And so getting inspiring two fighters third round may not even be possible. So, uh, getting yeah, so having this card early is good. It's definitely it. better. Do Jason, early. what else do we want? I'm going with Tempest Fury because this is like easy surge. Make three. I'm going to summarize. Make three move actions by a friendly fighter in the same phase. So yeah. if you move someone three times or combination of three different people three times in the same phase, yeah. score a glory. Easy peasy. I think I think I got this one. Yeah. 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 Charge, charge, charge. Move the same fighter three times. Who cares? Or or barge, barge, barge. Or barge, barge, barge. That's right. Barging all the way. Barging. Barging in. Sweet. Yeah. And so that's, yeah. So it's another surge. So, you know, it helps uh, get that, get the train running. Um, And then the last one that we want to cover. So there was a a little bit of debate around maybe what end phase we wanted to include. Uh, We ultimately settled on fulminating bulwark. So this is a scorning end phase. It's a dual. Two or more friendly fighters are adjacent to each other, and each of those fighters is within two hexes of enemy territory, which Jason kindly pointed out in the pre-show is within one hex of no one's territory. Two hexes of enemy territory, one hex of no one's territory. Um, so, uh, you know, kind of on the front line, but you're not having to fully commit into your enemy's territory. And we like it early, again, because you need two fighters. And, you know, if you draw this in the third round, and you only have one fighter alive, that's not so good. Um, yeah. So, and what do you have to do uh, to get there, Jared? What do you mean? What do you have to do to get there? You have to move. So, scoring oh, Tempest Fury on the way. Move. Yeah. Unless, uh, actually, Unless there is a board. A, there there are is a, couple, a board. There is has, a board that yeah. has two starting hexes adjacent to each other within, that could presumably be within one hex of no one's territory. But they more could. than likely, you're right, Trace. You're going to have yeah. to move. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you want to move three times anyway, so it's fine. That's right. Yeah, it's All great. Right. It's beautiful. You just before, have them literally switch places. <laughs> yeah, and before we get off the objectives, there is uh, one objective that this caused a lot of chatter, and that's Eye of the Hurricane. Like, score, it's it's a duel, so you score this in end phase. The same friendly fighter made four or more different actions in the preceding action phase, and that fighter is in no one's territory or enemy territory. And we did get a ruling for train them up that, basically ruled that a charge is not an action like it it, like you count the move and the attack action in a charge not the charge itself so this one is not as straightforward to score right because you're going to have to like go on guard you may have to barge which is a move in a stun action and then make an attack action so um to score that with the same fighter that that's a lot of activations for two glory but hey it's too glory. I mean, it could be third round and you only have one fighter left alive anyway. So that's right. Cool. Cool. Um, all right. So gambits, uh, Jason. Gambits. Well, I mean, trace kind of, uh, foreshadowed this, right? So we'll just go hint, 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 past the mantle. Choose a, choose a friendly fighter. The chosen fighter is inspired. Then uninspire each other friendly fighter. We have not seen a Gambit inspire in a long time. Like, and these mm-hmm. used to be extremely powerful. It's a little bit tempered in this in this warband because you can kind of inspire when you want 
or who you want anyway. But this is really cool, one, to help score the objective, and two, because of the way that their stats change, two of them going to two block when they're inspired, and the other one getting five wounds when he's inspired. So if you're sitting before your opponent's activation and you know who they're going to attack, you can kind of buff your person up to survive. Yep. I like it. Well, Trace, since Jason stole the the mantle. That's fine. I passed it to him. It's fine. It's back fine. to you to pick the next game. I'm going to remain positive about this, and I'm going to talk about positive charge. Um, so this is a ploy that um, is kind of rare these days uh, where you just get like a nice flat plus one to your dice. Um, so this is plus one dice to the first range one or range two attack action made by a friendly fighter in the next activation step. In addition, plus one move to the first charge super action made by an inspired friendly fighter in the next activation step. So you can get some folks up to uh, potentially move five, depending on yep. who is inspired. Um, plus your plus one dice for first range one, range two. All of them have a pretty stout range two attack action. Um yep. Domitan in particular is pretty tasty because he has a range two, two smash, three damage with cleave. So you're looking at three, three smash with cleave. Yep. Which is pretty accurate if you're going up against somebody who has blocks like Sons of Belmorn, for example. Yeah. Um, so just having a nice plus one dice card is, is a nice thing to have in your back pocket, especially on turn one. Um, but yeah, so pretty straightforward. Jared. Yeah, so the last Gambit, it's a Gambit spell. This is Lightning Tether, uh, and this is a reaction. So play this after this fighter's successful spell attack action after the drive-back step. If cast, deal one damage to each enemy fighter adjacent to the target. So this gives you a a way to plink, um, and, you know, depending on the warband that you're going up against, uh, you know, this, it looks like uh, going into Zarbag's gets. So there's nine fighters on the board. There's a really good chance you'll probably be able to drive back into one or two in that situation. Um, So it just gives you a way to to get, uh, you know, some extra damage going on around the board. And then the other thing that it does is it gives you a reaction that's a spell. So, um, you know, you're not having to, you know, spend stuff in the power step to do that. Um, you know, and although we didn't off. pick the objectives, there's several objectives in here that want you to cast some spells. So, yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, so that takes care of Gambit. So we'll move on to the upgrades and, uh, we were not in total alignment when it came to the upgrade. So we've actually got four that we're going to go through. Um, I'm going to start things off with scrolls of the spell seeker, which is, I don't know, maybe uh, it might be one of the best upgrades for a wizard, uh, that we've seen. So this is when this fighter attempts to cast a spell, change each symbol in the cast to, in the casting value of that spell to a channel. So that's the one that, that appears, three times on the magic die. And so crits are also successes. So you have a two thirds chance to roll a success when your casting value is a channel. Um, And so based on everything that I understand and the way that it was played, 
on the Warhammer TV battle report. Uh, this also applies to attack actions. So mm-hmm. now your spellcasting attack actions are that much more accurate. And I don't think it's a situation uh, that exists now, but I know that in the past there have been Gambit spells that were cast on a crit. So mm-hmm. in the rare instance where you get that magical wombo combo out, if that ever happens again, now you have something that could be really powerful that's now super easy to cast. But again, there are objectives in here that require you to cast spells. This card is going to make that that much easier. Jason, what else do we want? Sorry, I was just fully digesting what you just said because I misread that card. And that is nice. really, really, really good. Um, very specifically, well, I'll... I'll after we go through this, I'll talk about it. So anyway, um, my pick for upgrades is Herald of the Storm, which is just a flat plus one move. And, you know, I want to, so the plus one move, because you have two fighters that are only move three, and that's always been kind of something that Stormcast have to fight through, is they don't have really high move. Well, in this Warband, you know, Trace already laid out a positive charge, which could give you an additional move. They do have a fighter that is, four move and then when that fighter is inspired they give an additional move so you know this warband even though it's three fighters and baseline three move can can kind of get around the board with some upgrades and inspires and gambits but then the other part of this is a reaction after activation step in which this fighter um, made a successful spell attack action remove one of this fighter's charge tokens then give this fighter one move token this can be really, really, really good in any point of the game because you're charging, which would normally lock that fighter down, but then you're taking a move, which you can then turn up and cast your spell. But late game, this is really kind of game-changing. If you're down to one fighter, you can charge and then still activate and still move around the board. Um, yeah, you're risking it because it has to be successful, but just the the versatility of that reaction is really awesome. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's cool. Trace. So I'm going to talk about one that really caught my eye because us being the, the grognards of Warhammer underworlds at this point, uh, having played since the very beginning, uh, there's a upgrade in this deck called master of ancient lore. And for those who've been playing for a while, there used to be a, a ploy that you could play called Duel of Wits, which allowed you to um, draw a power card when your opponent played a power card or played a gambit. Draw two, yeah. So this card says, Reaction. Use this in, after an opponent plays a power card. Draw one power card. What? So if somebody plays an upgrade, draw a card. If somebody plays a ploy gambit, draw a card. If they play a spell, you draw two cards. Yep. (laughs) Um, It can only be used once per round, so it's not like you're just drawing continuously. But still, once per power phase, (laughs) you you draw a card. It's just amazing to keep your hand full of full of power cards which especially if you want to start casting spells and stuff oh my gosh just having that many power cards is amazing yeah which which 
and the fact that it's once per round makes this really valuable early, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, yep. So I think that's that's why it kicks up. And so then the last one that we want to talk about is the Liber Fulminus. Uh, plus one range to this fighter's range two plus spell attack actions. So now you're you're they're all sitting on a range four spell attack action, uh, which is pretty tasty. Uh, you know, it just extends their reach. It may mean that you're going to get an attack off uh, without having to charge, and then you could further go in and, and charge to make that second attack or subsequent attack. So um, just extra utility for the warband, uh, to be sure. Yeah. Um, so before we go on, I just want to talk about that Master of Ancient Lore one more time. So yes. when you're doing your mulligan... I would even say if if you really want you could even think about um mulliganing your hand if this is not in there just to get it in your hand first round. Yeah. Because you're going to make up for all those other cards you might have shuffled back into your deck. Um so it's just something to think about like especially with this particular warband, and if you're going to try and cast spells. Like, you want to get those spells in your hand. So, yeah. and that's just something I've been thinking about since I read this card was, do I mulligan just to try and get this card in my hand, yeah, yeah. regardless of what my first mull- my first hand of cards is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because if you don't draw, like, take the action to draw a power card during the game, you're only going to see 15 of mm-hmm. your cards right yep and this this card being played in round one most likely because your opponent may not play any power cards but that's highly unlikely most likely you're going to see 18 which is right which is great and then on top of that you're a three fighter warband so your first action maybe is drawing a power card and i say maybe because normally in a three fighter warband my 100 percent recommendation recommendation is your first activation always draw a power card this one, maybe not, because I may want to get somebody inspired. So I may go on guard my first activation to inspire right. somebody. So, yep. 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 That's good advice. Yep. I like um, it. And especially if you know that your opponent is going to be casting spells. Exactly. Yeah. Because then you get a draw two, which is really good. Yeah. Yes. And then Sweet. I just want to, like, so I had a thought about scrolls of the spell seeker. And it really just comes down to this may be the first time that our audience is seeing spell casting um, in the gambit and kind of in that power step. So the one thing that I just want to kind of point out there is like, yes, we've all seen plank damage, but the way that these cards kind of work and the reason they were so powerful before is you're dealing a lot of damage in the power step. And given the other deck that we'll talk about later, there's, I think five or six ways to damage your opponent, mm-hmm. not just plank, but on casting. So typically when you're casting, you're working towards other objectives and there's a lot of synergies that go with that. So you burn through gambits a lot more. So just further compound what Trace was talking about. You you want gambits in your hand because they can go quickly. So yeah. on to boards. On to boards. Jared, what board um, do you want? Yeah, so something with uh, midfield deployment. So, you know, you don't want to be right up on the front because you do only have three fighters and, uh, you know, you don't want them to be able to focus down 
um, you know, who you want, but you also don't want to hang in the back. So their deck requires some push into enemy territory or towards the middle. Um, so you don't want to be late to the game in that regard. Um, so something in the midfield so that you control, you can control when you push into enemy territory. So, um, with that in mind, uh, Jason, what are you going to call their play style? Um, so their play style is aggro, like a flex aggro hold. Um, and really when it comes to them, it's leveraging the <laughs> leveraging the fighters stats, uh, which goes without saying like, that's just obvious, but given the inspire, you really have to go back and forth and who is the best tool or best fighter for the job. Um, you know, we already went over that one of them gives a plus one move to friendly fighters when they're inspired. So maybe it's getting someone across, but Domitan and the cyclone, they go, if you're adjacent to people like the cyclone can do three damage on three hammers. Yeah. And yep. Domitan goes to three damage. So if you're going Cleave. up against, yeah, with cleave, if you're going up against elite, elite Warband, you may want them to, to kind of like lead the way and do your heavy lifting. Um, the other thing is leveraging that two the two block or Domintan going to five wounds. Um, so it really is like this flex aggro. Their objectives are going to put you on objectives in enemy territory. That's where they want to be. But really, I would say that this warband fights for the center line. Like they are, yeah. they are a midfield scrappy warband that can still plink damage because they have range three casting and very accurate range three casting. Yep. Especially with scrolls. Yeah. Especially with scrolls of the spellseeker. So, yep. what's their new player rating, Trace? Well, no, we're not there yet. No. Whoa. Oh, no, we got to talk about what, what we want to do oh. if you sit down across from them. So, win. Trace? All you want to do is win. No matter what. Win, win, win. No matter what, what, what? Um, so, when you're playing against this warband, because only one of them can be inspired at a time, um, when they're inspired, they're at two shields. But when they're not inspired, they're at one shield. So their defenses drop pretty significantly. Um, so I would focus down one at a time. Uh, you know, just really try and hammer down on one. Um, and then also you don't want them to be on objectives in your territory. So try and push them off or, and while you're doing that, just try and really focus fire one of those fighters at, at a time. They're not, they have four wounds or Domitane has five um, and he remains a single shield on his inspired side. Yeah. So that's just something to take note of. Um, so just, Focus fire is really the biggest thing. Seems good. Okay, now Jared, new player rating. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we're going to call this a silver plus. Um, it's hard to give a three fighter warband a full gold, um, just because I think there's a lot of nuance in uh, making sure that you're making the most of your activations with three fighters. Um, you called out before that, like, often a good first action. Uh, is to draw a card. And I think that's something that gets forgotten. Uh, when you have three fighters, you want to go, go, go. Um, but even 
in that case, especially with this warband where their objective deck wants them to be on objectives in enemy territory, if you're at the end of the game and you only have two fighters left, now you have to be really careful about your positioning and making sure that you're timing getting onto those objectives, you know, in the right way. Um, and then in that same vein, like the deck wants you to be in enemy territory, which is not a safe place to be. I mean, even if you are four wounds on two block, not all of your fighters are going to be on two block, uh, as we've discussed. So, um, yeah. So between being smart with your activations and then managing that inspiration, I don't think it's quite straightforward enough to give it a gold. Um, you know, it's not your gnarl spirit pack, um, or your Griselle's air and I where the, the play style is just very straightforward. It's going to be easy to pick up the, the deck and the war band and just have success with it. So Jason, what are we pairing this with in, in the nemesis format? Well, the beauty of the Nemesis format and the Rivals Universal decks that have come out is they're all pretty good, right? So you can make That's an true. argument for almost anything. Um, but I think our top three would be obviously Seismic Shock. It came out in this set. It's heavily focused on casters. You have three wizards in this uh, warband. So that one seems like the no-brainer. Um, we talked about them fighting in the midline. And we found that Fearsome Fortress, at least in our local meta, is kind of kind of the the choice here lately. Like a lot of people are playing that. Uh, and it is geared around fighting that midline and fighting for no one's territories. Uh, and then Daring Delvers. And that's the one that I'm actually the most curious to play with because I think it matches the way they want to play. If getting in enemy territory, getting on objectives in enemy territory, plus it gives me even more plank damage to go go after and, and and do some damage so um although i haven't built a daring delvers um storm coven deck yet it's coming sweet cool well that's gonna cover domite and storm coven so at this point i'm actually we're not gonna take a break i'm just gonna pass the virtual microphone to jason you're gonna pass the mantle i'm gonna pass the mantle yes okay as Jason looks wistfully at his heffalump model. <laughs> so, yes, we've affectionately uh, named this warband the Heffalumps. Ephalum's Pandemonium. It's Pandemonium. Fandemonium. It is Pandemonium. Um, Heffalump as in his woozles. Yep. <laughs> woozles and weasels. Um, just like Eyes of the Nine was Lord Voldemort. He says yep. yes. Yep. I forgot. <laughs> and and exile dead is the dentist. The dentist. So Dintelos the dentist. The Ephelum is is here to stay. That's what we'll refer to. But um, very interesting warband. And I think before we can even get into this warband, it is five fighters. There is a leader, and then there are four changers. And it has this warband has a plot card. So. Um, at the start of the round, after the roll-off, play through the change sequence, because this is called the change sequence. So um, the change sequence, first follow the powers. Anyway, if there's more than one, you kind of rotate around. Um, and you cannot make any reactions to this. So it's kind of like out of step. So your first one is you choose one of your friendly ch changers and inspire the chosen changer. You choose... Um, you can choose an inspire changer. So you can kind of, you know, skip through if you want to. 
Um, but bam, one of your four changers is inspired right away. Amazing. It is like, <laughs> thank you. Why didn't like just I have a choice? I could. It's amazing. Spawn Maw. Spawn Maw. Um, then the second I one. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> choose one friendly changer that has not been chosen this round. Stagger that chosen fighter. And I think that oh, that no. is really cool. But I th- like you're getting a huge bonus for inspiring yes. somebody. And now someone's taking a stagger counter. So yep. you better pick somebody in back. Otherwise, your enemy is going to beat up on that changer. Uh, number three, choose a friendly changer that has um, not been chosen this round. Give the chosen changer one guard token. Very nice. This is very nice because they're the dodge um, fighters. So now they're yep. getting on guard. And if they're inspired and you're kind of going through this, they're all on two dodge. So, ooh, ouch, great, good, grand, wonderful. Uh, and then the fourth one, if you have four alive, and this is after the first round you're doing it, choose that changer, push the chosen changer, one hex. A free push? Yep. Ooh, what? Where? What? Oh, my goodness gracious. So I'm inspiring. Yeah, I'm taking a stagger, but I'm taking a guard. And I'm pushing. This is I'm you know I'm in love already. I get a free push every round. Jason's happy. Well, every round that I have four changers alive. Yep. So because you would go down, and if you only have three, you don't get to the fourth one. Um, no. But then other than that, like we have the leader, uh, the heffalump himself or herself. <laughs> himself. Um, okay, you know. It, well, the, them, I will. Themselves. I will say. I will say that the Warhammer community has been very clear. The writing. In the battle report, Ephilim is a is a they. Okay, they selves. I mean, which makes sense. There's probably multiple personalities rocked in there anyway. Ephilim, and I will just say, and that's kind of why we've been snickering through this episode. Amorphous spider person. Yes, I've I put this model together, and it is even greater and more awesome in person. I just keep looking at it for all the things. But anyway, um. The, the big thing to note here are there's two things. So the three things, actually, the, the leader inspires if two or more surviving friendly fighters are inspired and it's and they have a range four okay. spell attack action for two damage Oof. on focus. Or I'm sorry, on. Yeah, yeah on focus, on focus, it's focus. So, is, yeah. Um, okay. So they could be rain or level two wizard right off the bat if they have two changers within um, three hexes of them. When they inspire, they go to a level two wizard still carrying that range four. So just huge, huge um, distance on this this fighter. Then we talked about the spawn maw. He that that fighter is ra- or move five. Sorry. Move five, three fury, uninspired. But then if you choose to inspire that person, they're two dodge, range five. The attack is three hammers for two damage, and it has chomp. So if you're attacking a large fighter, it's doing three damage. That's fantastic. Great, like great movement, great yep. defense, great attack. Oh, and yes, also has a spell attack action. Right, uninspired, yes. it's on two focus for damage. Inspired, it's on three focus for damage, 
And who cares if it's three three dice? Because you're not going to take backlash. Great. Nope. Then you got the the flame spooler, the bird. Um, again, it's you know inspiring through the the changer thing, or when all other friendly fighters are inspired. Uh, the key note here is it has a reaction called warp splash. After the deal damage step of this attack action, give each fighter within one hex of the target one warping counter at the start of the round deal one damage to each fighter with one or more warping counters then remove that fighter's warping counter now it's going on anything that's adjacent doesn't say enemy right Uh, no it says each fighter within one hex of the target yeah which includes itself the target so not adjacent not just adjacent i should say but i'm saying it can go on friendly or enemy yes Yes. It is only one damage, this attack. It's range three, but you are putting a token, and to my knowledge, there's no way to get these tokens off of them. So mm-hmm. you're going to take a damage the start of the round. So that's a two-damage attack that splashes on anything that's around it. That's fantastic. Um, Kindle Finger, the, uh, the cool thing with this one is it's minus one damage from attack actions in this fighter, so it's a two-wound fighter that is really a three-wound fighter. <laughs> Yeah, um, or four if you're hitting it with two damage attacks. Yep. Yeah. He's a lot more resilient than he looks. Yes. It's it a stops lot more resilient than he looks. Yeah. And then um, the other thing here is uh, it once again has uh, warp finger or warp flames, warp fingers, warp fingers. Um, plus one damage if you are adjacent to the target when you attack them. And last but not least is the starfish the starfish um you know starfish it's a starfish star star stop fish starfish okay (laughs) it is a starfish but i call it a starfish because it's amazing and the big one here is if it has no mover charge tokens it gets plus one damage so if it's just standing there and slaps at people it could be three damage right off the get-go. And then it has, um, after the last power step in a round, choose one enemy fighter. Push the chosen fighter up to two hexes. After that push, the chosen fighter must be adjacent to this fighter. So, oh, you want to be on that objective? I don't think so. I'm just going to pull you right into my yep. starfish. And maybe It's chocolate. lovely. So that's the warband. It's fantastic. A lot of plot, a lot of the, you know, a lot of different things. There's a lot of nuance here. Um, but let's move on to the objectives. Trace, what do you got for our first objective? Uh, so I heard you like spells. This whole box is about them. So <laughs> with the exception of one rival's deck. So we're going to go with Arcane Mastery. Surge. Score us immediately after the second or subsequent spell cast by a friendly fighter in the same spe- same phase. We've we've noticed we've noted that there are several um, spell attacks that aren't necessarily by a wizard. So this doesn't say anything about a wizard. It just says nope. second or subsequent spell attack action or spell oh. cast. Spell, spell cast. cast. Just yep. full stop. So. Yep. This could be any of the minions. It could be Heffalump himself from range four from downtown. Um, you know, it's just a really easy 
score a spell. Oh my gosh! Really an easy objective to score because there you go. there's we lots it. of spells. There's right. lots of spells. So, yeah. <laughs> Jared, what what do you have? Callus manipulator. Heffalump. So Heffalump is is callus. So this is a surge hybrid. Score this immediately after an activation step or power step if a friendly changing changer was taken out of action in that step. So if a changer gets taken out of action by a gambit or by an attack, hooray, you your net one one on the glory, right? Or two or more friendly changers are staggered. So uh, this could happen at the very beginning of turn two because you're going to go through the change no. sequence. Well, mm-hmm. stagger tokens come off, so someone would have to be staggered. Uh, yeah, yeah. But fair. yeah. But there are stagger hexes in the game now, so you could just yep. move. So you just move into one. <laughs> Wait, what? No way. No one would. Yes. Ever yes. Right? I would to score this objective. <laughs> yep. For sure. <clears throat> yeah. Especially if you move them backwards, right? Right. You just run away. Anyway. And the last um, objective is scornful stance. Score this in the end phase if a friendly leader is holding an objective. Don't care where that objective is, just be holding it in the end phase and you're going to get yep. another glory. Uh, and that is a great start to some very passive scoring. Yes. yes, it is. It is. So moving right into the upgrades. Um, bolt. Skip the gambits. <laughs> skip the Moving right into the gambits. It's, it's late, y'all. It's late. We're sorry. It's late. Moving right into the gambits. Um, Bolt of Zinch. So this is a gambit spell. Uh, if cast, choose an enemy. Fighter within four of the caster. Deal one damage to and stagger the chosen fighter. This is what I was talking about earlier. Like, just plink damage. Oh, yeah. And by the way, you're going to take a stagger counter. Um, and I can do this right before my activation. So now one of my other guys can kind of come in and clean up and get a reroll on the attack. That's beautiful. Jared, what about another gambit? Um, Latching tendrils. So this is uh, a gambit ploy. Choose a one enemy fighter, push the chosen fighter up to two hexes. So they are adjacent to one or more friendly changers. Um, what's up starfish. Epitrax likey with your extra damage. When What's the last when you one, don't have a movement? I'm so tired. Go. Just cut him off. <laughs> sudden, sudden warp portal. Choose two friendly fighters that are within three hexes of each other. Place each fighter in the hex that was occupied by the other fighter when you chose them. So this is just another way to manipulate the board to help you get, you know, into into range with the starfish or with the chompy chomp. Um, just nice ways to flip your fighters around the board to get them into advantageous positions or to get fighters closer to certain objectives you may want to get on, so on and so forth. I just love this one because one, Eyes and Nine had a very similar card, but you can, like, you can take the fighter, Inspire Fighter, charge in and then the other one that had the guard token you can flip them in there next yep. to them so like it's it's such a versatile card uh, you can I also really get the leader out of dodge yeah there's lots or, of cool stuff put you can the do leader into dodge whatever you want to do yeah yep. yep um all right on to the upgrades staying with trace what what, what upgrade you got 
uh, Arch Sorcerer. So this <clears throat> this fight this is a upgrade that's restricted to Heffalump himself. Um, you can reroll one dice in this fighter's casting rolls, which includes his spell attack. So you get a free reroll in every attack that you make with the spell attack, plus whatever spells you are trying to cast in your power phase. Real good. Rerolls are good. They've been good for forever. Keep using yep. them. All right, and the next upgrade, we're going to go with the Fires of Change. Holy guacamole. Range 4, 3 Fury, 2 damage, and there's a reaction during this attack action after the deal damage step. For each fighter within one hex of the target, pick one. Deal one damage to that fighter or heal one that fighter. This card is is restricted to a wizard, but it is amazing. Are you within one of yourself, Jason? Yes. I wish I wasn't, but I am. You are. I am. So So it's three damage. Three damage attack with a one damage splash or heal. (laughs) It's so nuts. Bananas. It's bananas. That is (laughs) rough. Like the only thing that it's not a spell, so like it's not going to help you score some of the objectives. Yeah, but it's like three damage range for attack with supports. Yep, I was going to say, yeah, you get supports. It's crazy. I mean, if you bolt of zinch something, ping a damage on it, and then you do this on the fighter next to it and do three damage to kill it, and then the other fighter was two damage, now you've killed two Mm. fighters with one So (laughs) I don't think if you take the fighter out of action with fires of change. Oh no, because you make the choice before the yeah. If the if the reaction takes them out of action, you make the choice before the out of action step for each fighter within one hex of the target, or you just do the target last. No, this is yeah. after the deal damage step. So yeah, so if if fires of change kills them, then you don't get the splash. But if right the ping reaction would kill them, then you just choose that fighter last. But you're right. also not taking the fighter out with an attack action either. Yeah. So yeah, it did. Yeah. Like there's, there's some nuance there, but at the end right. of the day, three it's damage. still real three damage at range four. four. Yep. Paint it's paint. got a built-in twist the knife, which is yes. dumb. Yep. <laughs> All right, Jim. You know what else bring, is dumb? Bring us home. Writhing right. tentacles. Writhing tentacles is dumb. They are dumb. Um. So this. Uh. Upgrade, you cannot give this to a large fighter. Reaction, use this after an activation step or power step in which this fighter was dealt damage. Pick one, heal one this fighter, or push this fighter one hex. So, oh, uh, you just did a spell ping against uh, against Heffalump. Well, I guess I'm just going to heal one. <laughs> Tough. Tough nuts. Yep. All right. Or, or you can get Starfish into position to... You can, I mean, you put on Kindle Finger and, you know, super all kinds of stuff. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) All right. What board? What kind of board do we want, Trace? Boards. Um, You want something that has a nice central um, starting hex for uh, Heffalump because he doesn't want to be in the back. Like, he's not in the rear with the gear kind of leader. He does have range four on his attack, so he can still potentially 
touch the midline with some spells or get just across the midline with his with his spells. So you want him to be kind of midboard, but not in danger zone. Um, so you know, find something that has. You also don't want your changers to be too far back or too far forward either, because some of them can get thumped pretty easy. So just find something with a nice <clears throat> concentration of fighters kind of in the middle of your side is what I would recommend. If the, you know, don't don't be aggressive like an aggro board. Sounds good. What um what kind of playstyle do they have, Jared? Yeah, so this is another flex and it's hold aggro, but it's not necessarily hold all the way always in enemy territory. Um so they have uh, the one that we mentioned, uh, something stance. What is that? Scornful stance. Um, mm-hmm. So that's in there. They have a surge. That's a two surge for holding three. Um, and then they have a score two in the end phase if the objectives that you hold add up to nine. Um, but none of those have the stipulation that you need to be in enemy territory, which is kind of nice. Um, so, But then they also have some do damage and take things out of action. And I mean... It's a lot easier to win the game if you take out the enemy's fighters, so I think they dip into that aggro, but they're more on the hold side of flex than they are on the aggro side of flex. Cool, and if I'm playing against myself, I'm just going to try to take out Heflum. Like, Agreed. I'm going to employ a Tigger, because they're a wonderful thing. I'll take <laughs> out that Heflum. I like it. Um just because it like, and you do have to watch out for the, the spawn mob because he can deal a lot of damage is very accurate. Um, but if you can take out that caster, a lot of the deck will start to wither away. Um, yeah. New player rating. What do we want to give this as a new player rating? Silver. Yeah, I think it's a silver. Why? It's tricky. There's a lot of new little there's a lot of text on all of these cards um, to try and figure out how to employ correctly. Um, But the deck's pretty straightforward. So like, it's just, there's some tricks in there that once you get your head around them, I think that, um, you know, a good pilot will make these really scary, which I'm, you know, I'm I'm a little, I'm seeing, I'm a little, I'm a little worried right now because Jason's got the gling, the glint in his eye about these. So we will see. Just, I love the plot card. I just think it's so yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so in Nemesis, I think it goes without say, saying um, Seismic Shock, Fearsome Fortress. Um, but in the pre show, Trace, we called out Tooth and Claw. Why do you think that fits with this? Uh, there's a lot of range one attack actions in here with the. Uh, with the little griblies and you can make them kind of scary. Um, and you can also bring one back with summoned abomination, which is another ploy we didn't really talk about. It's a spell. So it leans into what you want to do anyway. You can sacrifice one of those dudes, go kill somebody with a four damage or a five damage attack. That's pretty accurate. And then they get killed woe is me a demon got killed and then you bring him back <laughs> um you know so there's there's some cool stuff in there i would be interested to put a deck together with that i'm not saying it's a world beater but 
there's a lot of cool ways to maneuver fighters around in that deck too with um being savage and you know you get now that we have the now that we have the um stagger tokens on the boards marked you can actually stagger a fighter um which would make them savage right so i mean there's just cool little things that i think that you could if you really wanted to go techie with it you could you could potentially do it um i just think there's some interesting play there yeah some really really good stuff and this will be will be my warband i'm very excited to kind of get it out there and i've played enough eyes and i think i deserve this one um i do think that they're gonna in nemesis i think they are gonna kind of filter to the top tier um but the other ones that you know the community says are kind of top tier um aggro war bands in nemesis can kind of play into this right so mm-hmm. it'd be very very nice to see how it all filters out and there's a little bit of hold and control in this war band which really really has me wanting to play so with that those are the two new war bands of the box and we're going to take a break and be right back and we're back and we're going to do some magic and we're going to talk some more about some more magic and talk about seismic shock because seismic shock is one of the new rivals decks that's in this box. So shocks in this box. So let's, uh, let's get into it. We don't have a fighter card to talk about because this is a rivals deck. You can use whatever fighters you want. Just make sure they're wizards because this doesn't make any sense without a warband. It's not a wizard. You're a wizard, Harry. Right. Do your best haggard voice. You're a wizard, Harry. All right. So we'll get right into the objectives. So the whole goal of this. Wait, 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 wait. This what? is a rival's deck. What? Does it, does it have a plot card? It does not. So I'm going to give you the non-plot card description of what this deck does. You cast nice. spells. You stand on objectives. Most of those things are going to be in enemy territory, probably. Sweet. So be aggressive and cast spells. That's the plot card, so which doesn't exist. That's two rivals decks in a row that don't have a plot card. Yeah. Championship rejoice. Yeah, I know, right? It's going to be bananas <laughs> for those bananas. who still play that. Um, nothing against championship, but if, for those who play championship, this is you have a lot. You have a lot of options here. <laughs> yep. Um. So let's get into the objectives, boys. So let's. Start with Jason. Jason, why don't you pick our first objective for this? I don't know if I can do that. You can. I, I can because I'm burnt out. So oh. I just don't. Well played. Oh, it. It's a score. Duel. Score this immediately after a power step. If you have no power cards in your hand and you have not discarded any power cards in this round, cards that were played from your hand are not discarded. For one glory fantastic and just just in case we missed it the actual card's name is burnt out it's not burnt out jason it is burnt out (laughs) yes okay jared why don't you go next and i'll wrap us up for objectives yeah absolutely so i'm going to claim the prize and that is the name of the objective this is a dual score this in the end phase if your warband holds each objective in one or more territories, including no one's territory, and your warband holds two or more objectives in one or more of those territories. So um, it is a more 
gloryful, glorious. It's more points for holding objectives in one territory than the preceding cards of this vein. So you have Death's mm-hmm. Domain in Crimson Court. You have Hunt's End in uh, Skate's Wild Hunt. You have Reclaim the Lamentary in Yothari's Guardian, which give you two glory each for holding all of the objectives in any one territory. This gives you three glory, but you have to hold at least two objectives. Jason I like is it. trimming his nose hair with uh, <laughs> Citadel snipping clippers right uh, well that's not, because not true not true that's is, bec- that is because jason has some unfortunate focus so oh. so unfortunate focus is the last objective that we're going to talk about and there's some interesting things going on with this card i think uh, it is a surge it says score immediately after the third or subsequent time that an enemy fighter was chosen by and or declared as the target of a warband's spell in this phase Okay. Do you have to cast a spell, Jared? Successfully? No. Do you have to cast it at all? <laughs> you just have to select a target of a spell action or a Ooh. like a spell attack action or a spell. Hold that thought. Well, I think it does have to be successful. We may have made a huge mistake. What? If cast, choose. If cast, choose. If cast, choose. Oh, it does have to be successful. For gambit spells. Uh, but what if you your attack. spell attack actions. Spell attack don't actions. Have to be successful. Either way, there's a lot of spells to be cast. There's a lot of ways to manipulate your dice. It's not a big deal. It's a small oversight. It's due to our unfortunate focus. So. Yeah. I think I still think it's a good surge, and I think I do too. I I think it's a very good surge. It's because you just you know there's a lot of these that are debuffs. They're not necessarily damage spells, so the target will probably still be around for a third round of these. And usually, spell attack actions are pretty low damage unless you're Heffalump. <laughs> so this this is a uh, so you made a discovery with us while we were while we were recording, folks. Unless we want to cut it out, no, but it's fine. I like it. Just keep, keep going. going. Yeah. So anyway, good. It's a, you know, cast three spells, pick the same fighter. You score this. It's a nice first round. objective. Yeah. And I think, I think to just emphasize the objectives a little bit more and kind of how you need to play taking burnt out and unfortunate focus is that opening mulligan. You need to have a bunch of spells. Yes. Your hand. So yep. like if you don't have three plus spells, you probably want to ditch and draw again. Yes. Now there's six total, so let's do math here. If you have two, you are really risking it. But if you have yeah. one, your odds are much better to drawing up to yes. like, you know, two or three. And you need those to get burnt out and then unfortunate focus. And remember, you can always draw a power card. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, this could be a situation where you literally draw three power cards and then your last activation is to charge with a spell attack action yeah. to get your wizard in range to attempt to cast the now five gambit spells that you have in your hand. To score burnt out. To score burnt out and unfortunate focus. Unfortunate focus, which then will allow you to kind of get the glory train going. Yeah. Yep. So speaking of gambits... Yeah, so let's 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 focus back to what we actually should be doing. So, 
Um, gambits, uh, Jason, why don't you pick us out our first gambit that you liked? You know what? My mind is just wiped from all this conversation. Uh, so yeah, I'm just going to take mind wipe. Um, before the casting role, pick a channel or focus. That is the casting value of this spell. Uh, Gambit, if casts, choose one enemy fighter within four hexes of the caster. This is for the um, channel. Um, The chosen fighter cannot hold objectives until the end of the round. If you choose focus, if cast, pick one feature token within four hexes of the caster. Move that feature token one hex. Key point there is like it doesn't have to be an empty feature token, Mm -hmm. which is really well had been rare up until this point but it can be very powerful and then the other if you're going into a hold objective or um you know kind of a passive build you can just wipe that mine four hexes is quite a long distance very versatile and helps you score some of the stuff i like it all right jared abasoth is back yeah, he is. So Abasoth's Screaming Idols. So for anybody that hasn't been playing a game for a long time, Abasoth, uh, I I guess, is a really famous wizard. I don't know. His, it's their name. He or she's name is on like a ton of the gamut spells anyway. So uh, Abasoth Screaming Idols. This is a gamut spell cast on a channel. If cast, pick one feature token within three hexes of the caster. Move that feature token one hex. After you've done so, if a fighter is on that feature token, deal one damage to that fighter. So not only are you changing the board state, but you're also getting some plink damage. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I like it. So I'll go last. And this is a thing that is near and dear to my heart from days gone by. Uh, this is a card called Topsy Turvy. It is a gambit. It's just a ploy. It's not a spell. It's a gambit. Um, pick one feature token within five hexes of a friendly wizard that is not in the same hex as an enemy fighter. Flip that feature token. So this helps score cards that um, require you to hold all of the objectives in a um, territory. Um, mm-hmm. It also forces your opponent to not, like they have to actually delve to get the objective flipped yep. back over. Um so there's there's a lot of cool play here. Um, there was a whole <laughs> there was a whole play style built around flipping objective tokens several seasons ago. That was a lot of fun. Feed the beast grave. Yeah, feed the beast grave was a thing. It was a fun card to try and score, um, and this kind of gives some of that back to back to this uh, iteration of the game. Yeah, it's, it's a little. Yeah, go ahead, Jason. It's really like really versatile with claim the prize. Yes, right? it is. So if if you get three objectives in the same same territory, particularly your territory, you topsy turvy one. Now you only have to hold two. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's right. It can be very, what you want to do anyway. Yep. Yeah, it's very very good to kind of have that play style. Yep, I agree. All right, so we've talked about some gambits. We talked about upgrade or uh, objectives. Let's talk about some upgrades now. So Jared, you like talking about Abasoth before. Why don't you talk about it again? (laughs) I will. Uh, Yeah, so upgrade is Abasoth's Adaptive Assault. This is a spell attack action upgrade range three. Casts on foci for one damage, uh, but it has two additional abilities, plus one damage to this spell attack action if the target is inspired, and then another plus one damage to this spell attack action if the target is on a feature token. So there's a lot of ways to change the board state in this game. Um, If 
you're playing against a warband that wants to hold objectives, you now have a reasonably accurate, potentially three damage spell attack action. And this is pretty crucial in that it opens up play um, for other warbands that may not have their own spell attack actions um, for wizards. So uh, it just gives more opportunities for that. Or maybe a, a leaner, cleaner deck for those warbands that take this in the Nemesis format that have their own spell attack actions for like a single wizard. So That's right. Jason, why don't you pick our next one? I'm... I'm going to be very arcane sensitive here. <laughs> very sensitive. It's a reaction. After this fighter casts a spell, push this fighter one hex. Restricted to a wizard. But it yeah. is amazing because it's not just like an attack action. It's a cast a spell. Yeah. So I'm like yeah. casting all these gambit spells and I'm bopping and pushing everywhere. This is yep. such a great utility for my wizard. It is. I love it. I agree. Um, so I'm going to pick Yara's Repelling Shield. Um, Yara is also a very famous wizard from what other... There's other cards from previous seasons that there was a lot of Yara's cards around. So um, This card says, um, it is restricted to a wizard. This fighter cannot be driven back. Reaction. After an enemy fighter ends a move action adjacent to this fighter, stagger that enemy fighter. So just come try and charge me. I give you a stagger token. If you don't yep. kill me, I'm going to have a reroll. Nice utility there. So we've talked about objectives. We've talked about gambits. We've talked about upgrades. What boards are we taking, Jason? Well, ones that have hexes on it. Yeah. But really, this one... this this comes down to whatever warband you select. That's right. So, I mean, this, this deck, although it is focused on wizards and objectives, pick the warband, then pick the board that most supports that warband's playstyle. And the playstyle that you really want to kind of take into take in mind when you're thinking about this deck is it's a flex playstyle, but it is more of a flex hold, not really a flex aggro. So it's casting aggro or casting hold. Oh my gosh, it's casting and holding. Yep. So get somewhere, sit your butt on an objective, cast a bunch of spells. That's kind of what you want to do. So find warbands that kind of align with that goal, and you should do fine with this deck. Um, speaking of warbands, Jared, what warband do you think? What warbands do you think uh, align well with this deck? Yeah. So I think. Really what you want to focus on is a warband that has a wizard or wizards with spell attack actions on their fighter card because it's just going to make it easier for you to get those spell attack actions off to cast spells, give you more opportunities for that to take fighters out of action with spell attack actions. So that's, you know, Domitan, obviously, Stormsire, um, Exiled Dead, Kagra's Ravagers. I mean, that list goes on, right? There are a ton of those. Um, but another one that we think is good for this deck is Crimson Court because there are two wizards and there are a lot of gambits in this um, deck for increasing the wizard level for like a power step or for an activation um, so you can get more accurate casts off with those. And the Crimson Court, like, I mean, just their stat blocks are, are good. So now you have two wizards that can help you cast those spells and then you've got two beaters that can kind of play the rest of the field. Um, so, I mean... 
there are a lot of options, but I think Domitan, Stormsire, Crimson Court, Exiled Dead, Kyakros Ravagers are probably our favorites, just because of the resilience of the fighters in those warbands, the ability to stick around, and yeah. And I would also throw in um, the Worms Bat, too. You know, oh, the, yeah. she's got a, they're pretty sturdy, too. Um, not as many activations, so something to think about, you know, four activations yeah. in a round, obviously, but not, there's three fighters there. Um, and then with Kagra, it, the play focus with this almost shifts a little bit to where you have to kind of focus on Zarsia as your as your primary for that. Um, yeah. And then the the three Chaos Warriors basically become like her bodyguard. <laughs> so you can just be reckless with Kagra herself and focus on Zarsia. And then there's some other fun things in there where you can make Zarsia the leader, so on and so forth. Yep. So there's some cool things there. Um, new player rating. We're thinking what? Silver? For this i think silver yeah yeah it's pretty straightforward cast spells stand cast spells down. stand on but stuff it's, it's gonna be relying on the wizard so like if the wizard goes down yep you're like you might be hosed yep. yeah um and then nemesis rating uh i think it's also gonna be silver it's like we said already it's really dependent on wizards um but it's also pretty fun and direct to play with um yeah. so that i think wraps us up with uh, seismic shock any final thoughts before we move on to toxic tears no i'm excited i'm just, excited to fail some more with the authority with it <laughs> right it's just a cool deck like i don't yeah. i think from a building standpoint this deck has a lot to offer but it's really it just breathes so much life into all those casters that we've had in the past yeah and it, yeah, i agree that's why it's so cool i agree all right. Shocking. Shocking. But not toxic. So I'm going to take the mic from Trace and we're going to go through Toxic Terrors. Uh, no Warband fighter cards to cover because there are no fighters. And then Championship players rejoice again. Yet another Rivals deck without a plot card. So uh, three to three. Three for three in the last three mm. Rivals decks. So tons of options for everybody looking to play Championship. Um, so with that, we're just going to jump in. Uh, yeah. So key cards, again, these are the cards that you want to see early in the game because we think that they help fuel kind of what the deck is going to do, uh, on the objective side, uh, I'm actually going to take things and we're going to talk about deluge of toxins. Mm. Uh, so this is a surge objective score this immediately after a power step. If two or more friendly poison gambits are persisting or three or more friendly, gambits are persisting um so there are one two three four five five gambits five poisons in this deck as it is so getting two of those out uh it's probably not going to be that difficult um so yeah and it's a surge so gets that glory train running jason something to think about too is that domains fall into that too so if you have a warband that has domains you can yeah yeah if, you, if we're talking game. nemesis yeah yeah uh toxic toxic demise which is also a surge score this immediately after an enemy fighter affected by one or more persisting poison gambits is taken out of action uh as you just kind of went through there are a lot of poison gambits that are persisting so take somebody out of action and score a gory love it 
It seems pretty easy. Trace? Dual contamination. Scores, this is a hybrid in-phase objective. Score this in an in-phase if two or more poison gamuts are persisting or two or more friendly fighters each have one or more poison upgrades. A poison upgrade, you say? Yeah, poison upgrade. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. More, more, more to come on that. Sweet. And again, like as you noticed from our selection of objectives, you need poison gambits in your hand turn one to do this. Remember yes. the mulligan. Remember the mulligan. Yep. All right. Sweet. So that covers objectives. Speaking of poison gambits, uh, gambits. Uh, so, Jason, what are we thinking we want to see early? Uh, I'm just going to go with Choking Venom. One, because I like the art, Art, you know? It looks yeah, it's a cool art. Cool. Vomit, uh, vomiting Oliver bleh, Belmore. Bleh. Poison, choose one friendly fighter. That friendly fighter's range one and range two attack action have Grievous one. This effect persists until the end of the round or until the chosen fighter makes a successful range one, range two attack action nice i love me some grievous and it's so cool that it persists until you make a successful attack i like it mm. all right trace i'm ill prepared for this right now that's things so ill prepared is the gambit i'm choosing uh, it is a poison choose one enemy fighter on a starting hex give the chosen fighter one move token the chosen fighter cannot make attack actions while that fighter is on a starting hex. This effect persists until the end of the round or until a damage is dealt to the chosen fighter. So dirty. Oof. It's dirty. That, that is dirty. Is just so dirty. dirty. You lock yeah. somebody into their starting zone, and even if you come close to them, they cannot attack you. Nope. It's gross. Unless they come off and they can't even make a charge because they have a move nope. token. It's right. Good. So they'd have to move off of it. Yeah. It's so good. And it doesn't mm. even have to be in their area. It just says starting hex. So like they charge yeah. and just happen to land. Right. On. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. Oh my yeah. gosh. Nice. It's real good. Yeah. And so the last one that we want to see early, we think is freezing venom. So this is another poison. Choose one enemy fighter. The chosen fighter can not make super actions and attack actions that target the chosen fighter have ensnare. This effect persists until the end of the round or until the chosen fighter makes an attack action or until the chosen fighter is dealt damage. So yikes. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that that is, uh, uh, the the Bulgore, the Minotaur, it it, on the card art, the best of gore. Yeah, he's getting so what's whacked. His name? Oh, oh Gashrak. no, Gashrak's it's... the main the main guy. You're, yeah, you're yeah. talking about uh, dark, dark and I don't remember. Darknar? I feel real bad Darknar? now. Drak Drak Draknar Draknar Draknar. 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 Nice. There you go. We got it. Yep. We got anyway, that. so who like you want to charge right? I'm thinking about also like Gristlewell, right? It's a great fighter to hit. Gristlewell is a great fighter to hit. So somebody that's got a dodge defense that wants to make charge actions. Mm-hmm. Too bad. All right. Uh, that covers objectives and gambits. So upgrades. Uh, I'm going to start first because I'm callous, and that's also the name of the upgrade. This is a poison upgrade. We mentioned poison upgrades earlier. It's worth noting, I believe, 
nine of the ten upgrades are poisons. Wow. I believe I'm pretty sure that so. Sneaky Weasel is the only upgrade that is not a poison. You're a sneaky Weasel. I know, right? Uh, so, Callus uh, is a poison upgrade. Plus one damage to this fighter's range one and range two attack actions. If the target is affected by one or more persisting poison gambits and or this fighter has two or more poison upgrades, this is a poison upgrade. So if the fighter only has one other poison upgrade, now they suddenly have a plus one damage. Mm, it's pretty good. Upgrade. Like it. Jason? Venom bite weapons. So this is another poison upgrade. Go figure, right? Yep. Uh, play this only if there are one or more poison gambits in your power discard pile. When you give this upgrade to a fighter, pick one poison gambit from your discard pile and put it beneath this card. Reaction. After this fighter's successful attack action, place the poison gambit beneath this card in your hand, then pick uh, up to one poison gambit from your power discard pile and put it beneath this card. So the reason I like this is because it just recycles the cool poisons that are in my yes. gambit hand. And I just think it's a really cool mechanic. It allows you to double down on a lot of those poisons. And, oh, like you didn't like freezing venom turn one. Well, I'll just freeze and venom you turn two. Oh, you were ill prepared. Well, guess what? You're ill prepared again. <laughs> Don't know what to tell you, but they just keep coming. Mm. All right. Well, Jason's a wicked hunter for picking that card. So um, this is a upgrade. It's also a poison upgrade. Reaction, after you play a poison gambit, push this fighter one hex. Then stagger each enemy fighter adjacent to this fighter. So you have your Venom Bite weapons on. You play one of those. <laughs> yeah, there's some cool yeah. stuff there. Push after you play a poison gambit. Yeah. Stagger some dudes. That's great. Then attack them. It's real good. Also, the flavor text and card art. Yes. So this this fighter longs to see blood and poison mixed in horrid swirls on the ground. And then you have Mister um, Markov uh, sitting crisscross applesauce on the ground, painting horrid swirls in blood and poison on the yeah. ground around him. It's it like if you world's watched... worst finger paint. It's like if you watch the uh, Game of Thrones and where the White Walkers arrange all the different body parts. It's basically the same thing, just with blood and poison. Sweet. Yeah. So uh, similar to Seismic Shock, when it comes to boards, you just want to pick boards that make sense for the warband that you have chosen to play with this. Um, Yeah. So, Jason, what do we see as playstyle? Playstyle is aggro. But it, yes. it's it's almost so it's aggro, but it's almost denial with the the type of gambits that you have. Like there's a lot of control where yeah. you're setting up your aggro in there. Like the it's definitely yeah. aggro. You want to be attacking and and doing things from an objective side, but those yeah. gambits, man, can just lock down, lock it down. Yeah, yeah, I would even say it's an aggro like a flex aggro control deck. Um, yeah. Like, I, yeah, I just think there's yeah. a lot of utility in these cards that can really be annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Trace, what warbands are we thinking here? Um, if you've got poisons already in your faction deck, 
Um, give this a, a look if you're, you know, if you're thinking from a nemesis perspective. Um, but really, really any warband could work fine with this if you're running it as a rivals deck, I think. Um, you know, things with fairly accurate attacks are going to align well with this, like what Jason said. Like, you can basically play aggro, but have some control elements in there as well. Uh, so, Elethane Soul Raid, Rip of Snarl Fang, Skittershank's Claw Pack, I think would be interesting with this. I haven't actually, like, looked into that, but from a thematic perspective, I think that this would yeah. be very, very good with them. Um, yeah. Sweet. Um, so, I think as a Rivals deck, a new player rating i think we're still kind of stuck in silver um it's very straightforward but it's kind of tightly bound into the card draw like you're going to be really reliant on getting the right poison gambits out to score the objectives or getting poison upgrades on your fighters to score the objectives uh, that require those um and so like figuring out that mechanic and when maybe to draw cards or when to mulligan or whatever i think is not going to be as straightforward as other decks and so i think that's going to keep it from being gold the the way that the deck scores is is pretty straightforward but it's going to be utilizing your gambits and your upgrades properly to make all of that happen uh a little more difficult and then jason what are we thinking for on the nemesis side yeah so the nemesis side is actually going to be a little more difficult because Typically, like in a perfect world, when you're playing Nemesis, you're you're taking you know six objectives from your faction from your warband, six objectives from from the rivals deck. The objectives, most of the objectives in this deck, specifically the surge, revolve around poison. So if you're then cutting the cards that you're taking out of gambits and upgrades you don't have the redundancy from the poison to kind of make it fully work. Now there's still a lot to build in here. There's some, a couple end phase that are actually pretty, pretty easy to score that do yeah. not require po poison. So there is some building there, but I mean, we're going to give it a bronze just because it, a lot of the objectives are so focused on the gambits. Um, but those gambits are so good. Like it is they're that poison. It, they really did poison right. Like we've seen poison kind of come through before it wasn't, it was like, Oh yeah, it's poison. Like these poison gambits and yeah. upgrades feel like a, like a true poison thing. And I can't wait to see what the community comes up with it. Cause, cause I'm just starting to kind of, kind of think things through. Uh, and I don't have a really good thought on what warband I'm going to take with them. I know Latham has, uh, Lathium from Discord has posted two toxic um, terrors decks for us, and they are included on our library. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm going off memory, but they're both uh, elves. That is the Blade Coven and Soul Raid, I believe, are the two decks. Soul Raid. Soul Raid was the other one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Blade Coven right. and Soul Raid. Uh, yeah, Blade Coven and. Yeah, it looks like yeah, Soul Raid. Yep. So, uh, we have those up there, um, but I'm. I think there's I think there's hidden builds here. So get out there and start making them up, and please share. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see what 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 gets made of it too. Uh, 
Cool. So uh, I think that's it. That wraps up our review. So uh, we'll take a break and we'll come back with the outro. And we're back and that will wrap up this, the 50th, 50th episode of the Battle Mallet podcast. Uh, we just want to say thanks for listening. Um, thanks for engaging in the Discord. So we've uh, we've seen some uh, you know, some, some growth in the discord, some growth in the community there, um, which is cool. Great interactions going on there. Um, if you have a deck that you've built, uh, for nemesis, uh, if you're not familiar, we have a nemesis library on our website. So battle-mallet.com is the landing page for everything. You can get to the blog, you can get to the podcast, you can get to the nemesis library from there. Um, and so it's just a resource that we want to be a living resource for, uh, getting new players started in Nemesis or kicking off ideas for veteran players uh, so you don't have to start from scratch. Um, so please, you know, jump on there, jump in the Discord. Uh, links to the Discord and everything will be in the show notes. Um, shout out again to What the Hex cast for their deep dive into all of the new seasonal changes in Weird Hollow. So be sure to go check out their podcast for the deep dive into that. Uh, but I think that's it any other community shout outs um captain murders tournament oh yeah so the the Al- alberta alberta classic, classic. Yep. yeah yeah so it's a grand clash <laughs> and i think as far as i know it's the only clash that's gonna have three golden tickets three am i making tickets. that up it has three, three. golden tickets I don't know if it's the only the... one but i know it has three yeah yeah so for the for the master's or whatever they're calling the grand championship match in Atlanta in November uh, for Warhammer Nerd Worlds. So uh, yeah, if you're on the West coast, right, that's where Alberta is. Yes. Over on the West. It's out that way. I'm not, my Canadian geography is horrible. (laughs) So the only thing I know about Calgary, Alberta, Canada is uh, that's where the Hart brothers from WWF are from. Oh, Way to go! Wait, I know. Callback, right? Deep, deep cuts going by deep, Jared. Deep cuts. That's right. So uh, anyway, and then the other so kind of other community shoutouts. Anyone local to the Raleigh Durham area will have our biweekly meetup on the fifteenth, which will be a learn to play um, weird hollow um, event. So looking to get the new warbands, new boards, new dice, all that stuff out there. Um, and Come play for my a, birthday. Oh, is, that, is that your birthday? That's my it birthday. Is his birthday. Happy early birthday. Come Sorry. play come play games on my birthday. There you go. Come play come play games. Yeah. Sweet. Um and then shout out to uh Fish Mode for joining the Discord and really shout out to the Seattle Warhammer uh Underworlds group. Um I'm trolling silently in their their local Discord and they've got pretty good thing going out there a lot of growth and player growth so great to see um the game growing on the west coast and then last but not least thank you sleek bowl for poking and prodding us and not allowing me to do anything until we recorded this episode so uh, i would have been at your tournament today i hope it went well hope you enjoyed it uh and thanks for your contributions to the community uh, and all the things that you do so with that that's all the community shout outs Nice. I think that's it. So uh, for the Battle Mallet podcast, uh, we have just used so many puns based on (laughs) card names already. Uh, We got nothing.
We are three Warhammer Underworlds players who are just in awe of Heffalump and his woozles. This is Jared signing out. This <laughs> Jay signing out. And I'm Jason Tableton Murray. Get the hell out of here! Peace. Battle Mallet Podcast is protected under the Creative Commons license. If you have further questions as to its use, you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com. Music by Anno Domini Beats. All right, uh, cool. Are we ready? We're going to go live at the one-minute mark. Oh, then we'll only have an hour and 59 minutes to record this episode. Son of a... (laughs)